0: Grab your favorite caffeinated beverage and get cozy because you are listening to Mindful as a Mother with Paige Bruce and Lindsay Adams. Hey, hey, I just wanted to pop on here real quick before the episode starts and give a quick disclaimer. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for therapy or the therapeutic relationship. And the information given in this podcast is purely for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the advice of a professional. Now that that's out of the way, I really hope you enjoy this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review if you enjoy it because it helps the podcast grow. And don't forget to be peace, be love, be mindful as a mother. Hey, hey, Lindsay here. Have you ever wanted to just like talk to someone about your child just to make sure you're on the right track or they're going through a phase that maybe you have some questions about or you don't know if they need like a full therapist or you just want some advice on how to handle a specific situation with them? Or you just want some ideas for things you can start implementing and working on at home. That is what I am doing in my new problem-solving sessions. Right now, this is the only way to work with me one-on-one because I'm not taking new therapy clients. If you're interested in something like this for your child, go on the show notes, And there's a link and you fill out an application to work with me and I will get back to you about if it's a good fit and scheduling and all that jazz.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Mindful as a Mother. This week, it's me, Paige, and I'm going to talk about supporting you and your ADHD child with some additional tools. Lindsay did a wonderful job last week discussing the two-pronged approach and method in supporting your child with ADHD and coming up with tools or your neurodivergent kiddo coming up with tools and strategies and structures that will be successful. I want to talk a little bit about these approaches involved in us as ADHD or neurodivergent parents um, and how we can start to incorporate them regularly into our routine. So we might give ourselves a break and also our kids a break. So I also have ADHD, which is one reason why Lindsay and I understand each other on a whole other level. We're in this entirely new creative plane. (laughs) But I'm going to share some examples of things that will help me have helped my kids and have also helped my partner because my partner also has ADHD. And so navigating, you know, a marriage with neuro neurodivergence is a is a whole other ball game. <laughs> the first thing I want to mention is novelty. ADHD, my brain loves novelty, whether that's a novelty purchase, impulsive purchase, novelty items, a different meal I'm gonna hyperfixate on. Okay, so a lot of the times I buy fancy coffee. Okay. I have a really hard time meal planning because I prefer novelty. I want something new. I want something different. But also, your girl has a really hard time following directions from beginning to end without changing anything. It's one of the one of the structures I've had to set up for myself, is following a recipe from step one to step done and following it as written instead of trying to ad lib, right? Not my strong suit. So I wanted to tell you guys that one of my favorite people in the whole world, Laura from Lola Home Kitchen, has actually launched a weekly meal plan subscription. It's $12 a month and you get a meal plan with the recipe and the ingredients, the shopping list ready to go, emailed directly into your inbox. So if you're like me and the novelty of the meal, minus having to plan, <laughs> is appealing to you. Check her out. You can get it on her website at lolohomekitchen.com. Underneath that's in the top menu bar, you'll see shop, and then it'll be a weekly meal plan subscription. So it's, again, twelve dollars a month, delicious, easy, fast meals. Well, you'll get the recipe. You'll get eight different rest. You'll get eight different recipes. So not just one recipe, you'll get eight different recipes every week delivered to your inbox, which will include the list of ingredients and the step-by-step instructions. So that way you get the novelty of a delicious meal and the ease of making it without having to worry about the planning. Planning is an executive function skill. And I wanted to talk a little bit about what is executive function because anyone who is neurodivergent or has a neurodivergent individual in their life executive function is kind of what what we talk about as therapists and executive function specifically is what we call the planning skills <laughs> they exist in the prefrontal cortex again neuroscience i'm i'm geeking out right nerd alert it's me executive function is controlled by the prefrontal cortex the prefrontal cortex lives behind your forehead is what i tell people these are the skills that we include working memory flexible thinking, and self-control and impulsivity. These are skills we use every day to learn, to work, and to manage daily life. So when you experience difficulty with executive function, it can be hard to focus, follow directions like the recipes from one to (laughs) done, handle emotions. We can have big emotional responses or be sensitive to criticism and many other things. So that's kind of what I want you to know. Executive function is responsible for paying attention. If you have ever talked to anybody and they have to fidget while they're talking to you, it's an executive function need. Also sensory, but we'll get there. Organizing, planning, and prioritizing. So creating a plan from start to finish. This is what we're going to do. This is what it's going to look like. And these are the things I need to do first to make sure that the last things can be done. Starting tasks and staying focused on them to completion. Understanding different viewpoints. Regulating emotions. Self monitoring, like keeping track of what you're doing, so usually these develop quickly in childhood and into the teen years. And sometimes, you know, our prefrontal cortex isn't done developing until our mid 20s. But when you have ADHD or different types of neurodivergent or attention difficulties, these are challenges with your executive function. So, you might have trouble starting or completing tasks, you might have difficulty prioritizing things that need to get done, you might forget what you just heard or what you just read. So you have to read it multiple times. (laughs) You have trouble following directions or a sequence of steps like in a recipe. Y'all, your girl can't cook. If you don't know that yet, I, this is it. This is, this is it. This is the thing that's making it hard for me in adulthood. I cannot cook and following recipes doesn't turn out well because I usually change something in the directions somewhere, (laughs) whether I mean to or not. You have trouble focusing or switching focus from one task to another. You can get overly emotional or fix it on things. You have trouble organizing your thoughts, trouble keeping track of your belongings, um, and trouble managing your time. So having difficulty with executive function isn't necessarily a diagnosis or a learning disability, but it is common to people who learn and think differently. So everyone with ADHD has trouble with it, and a lot of people with learning challenges struggle with executive function also. So these can these can cause some problems with learning but it doesn't mean that people who have struggles with executive dysfunction or executive function sorry not dysfunction excuse me executive function are lazy or not intelligent but we do things differently okay <clears throat> and those are the tools and routines that Lindsay was just discussing in our episode last week and that I'm going to talk about Today, I'm going to throw out just a handful of some of my favorites and why they're my favorites and how they've worked. Also, I get to use my new fancy podcast microphone. So shoot me an email or comment, rate, and subscribe to the podcast. And in your review, please let me know how the sound quality is this week because I'm trying to make it easier on your ears. Okay. So, some tools for a routine. We're talking structure. Lindsay did a beautiful job talking about um, structure and predictability with our kids. One thing that I like to incorporate are visual cues. Okay, so my, she's eight now. My oldest kiddo, I'm pretty sure has ADHD. I haven't done a formal diagnosis on her. I haven't taken her anywhere, but we have the executive dis, executive function struggles. So in kindergarten, her teacher would say the phrase, and this is, I was like, this is the perfect phrase. It's like, if her head wasn't attached to her shoulder, she'd, she would lose it. And that is such an old phrase. I remember hearing my parents say it, but I it just is applied in a whole new world now. My kiddo would leave her gloves on the bus. She'd leave stuff just on the ground outside. She'd leave stuff inside in the classroom. We I had to buy so many pairs of winter gloves because we live in a very cold climate. And I was like, this just, this is it. And when she was getting dressed in the morning in the winter, okay, living in multiple seasons, for those of you who are new to listening, I used to live in Arizona, which is beautiful and warm pretty much all the time. And then it's like fire hot, but I'm down for that. I'm here for it. To a climate in Idaho, very high elevation. So we have very extreme winters now. One, I, ha- I have to shop for multiple seasons, which isn't my favorite, but she has to wear long socks. She has to wear snow pants. She has to wear her snow boots. She has to wear her snow gloves. And she has to wear a beanie. All of this, and she has to get ready for the day, and she has to make sure she has her lunch box, and she has to make sure she had her water bottle, and she had to make sure she had her mask because we were in the middle of the pandemic. Not that we're not now, but, you know, we're floating. So knowing that she had difficulty remembering the tasks that she needed to do from beginning to end, the things she needed to bring in, I would often be gone, at work and her dad also struggles with executive function. So he would forget, she would forget and then in the middle of the day we're having to run her gloves because she's um, getting frostbite (laughs) or we'd have to bring her her lunch. So what we did was we incorporated visual cues and predictability. So she has this little ring that we would attach to her backpack that had a picture of every item she needed to bring with her to school. And so we made it a habit of every morning she would go through her little ring clip And she would, you know, mentally check off that she had, make sure she had them in her backpack, every single one of those items, visual cues, and then incorporating the predictability of the consistent structure. Okay. Also, structure is a trap. If you, if you know me, you've heard me say that before. So I don't like to think of structure as we're doing the same thing every day at the same time, unless that's a necessity. I like to think of it as a flow because for me, that feels better to my body that feels better. We are in a flow. So. In our morning flow, we do the same kinds of things, but maybe not down to the minute of consistency. So we would wake up, she'd eat breakfast, she'd brush her teeth and hair, and then she would pack for school and check her ring with her visual cues. She would match the items to the pictures and put it in there. So regardless if your child has executive function struggles or not, whether they're ADHD or not, at this age, I would say kinder first and second visual cues because of the age that our... uh, prefrontal cortex develops, visual cues are going to be one your best friend. They're going to be your best friend. Okay. And especially if you have ADHD or your kiddo has ADHD. Okay. So for an adult, I'm talking flow and predictability. I have something called a go bag. Like, what is that? Okay. So when I'm traveling, I have a bag that I keep specifically stocked with all the things like necessities I would need if I'm traveling. So it has an extra deodorant, has an extra toothbrush, it has my toothpaste, it has, again, extra pair of socks, like things that I would need that I would typically forget. Because creating a task list from beginning to end and remembering each thing on the list is very difficult. Or I'll pack and then be like, wait, did I pack that? So I'll have to unpack and then repack again. <laughs> so with my go bag, I know I already have those items in that bag. So it takes the mental load off of having to remember that while I'm also trying to prep my kids and help my husband and pack the car and get ready to go, like all of those things. Another thing that I have is I have a phone charger that's in my wallet. It stays in my wallet all the time. So that way whenever I am traveling, that's one of those little things that I used to always forget. I will never forget it now because it is always in my wallet. It's always there. So if you can create a flow for yourself and predictability for yourself you'll start to give yourself the tools you need to reduce the mental load and stress that you're consistently carrying as a neurodivergent individual. Also for your kids, visual cues. We do the same thing. We have a morning and evening flow, right? So I have visual cues with little Velcro strips that I stick on like today's Monday. And so they have little pictures of everything they're doing. So in the evenings, we eat dinner, take a bath, put on pajamas, brush our teeth and hair, read, go to bed same thing every night. And as we consistently reflected back to the visual cues of the flow, it became something that was predictable for them. So they were able to establish the structure and it took less um, energy and attention from executive function, right? Which we already struggle with for them to be able to follow that routine consistently. So we're talking visual cues. Here's another one. My husband and I try to split roles in the house, right? We're both working, so we're trying to split up the housework. One thing that he does that is extremely helpful that we agreed he would do is unload the dishwasher. Hey, what happens when you shut the dishwasher? You don't see the dishes, right? You don't see the clean dishes in there. Out of sight, out of mind applies when you have ADHD or your neurodivergent. Out of sight, out of mind. So every morning before I leave for work, I will open the dishwasher and pull out one of the racks. So that way. He has a visual cue that those dishes are clean and he'll remember to put them into his morning routine. Visual cue. So I want you to remember that. Come up with a flow for yourself. That's predictable to make things easier for you. If you're doing something regularly, how can you create it into a habit that's already there and available? So When we talk through executive function struggles, we talk through misplacing things. Even neurotypical people misplace their keys. Put your keys in the same place every single day. Every single time. I bought a key hook, I hung it on the wall, that's where my keys go, every day. Same place when I'm done using them. Otherwise, I wouldn't know where they are. (laughs) They'd be gone forever. So visual cues for you and your kids. That's step one. Two, create a flow predictability, structure for yourself and your kids because it takes off the mental load and stress of having to remember what to do every single day from beginning to end. Another thing I want to talk about are bookends. Have you heard of the term bookends? Hey, bookends are a predictable set of actions that you do at the beginning or the end of your day. I have a specific bookend to help my brain focus at the end of a work day. It doesn't have to be anything crazy, something that takes three to five minutes. You could, do this, you could do this at literally any time of the day. You could do it in the evening when you're trying to establish a sleep routine. You can do it in the mornings when you're trying to establish a morning routine. For me, I do a lot of work at my desk at home and so it is a struggle to get my brain to, to, to switch focus on tasks, Hey, okay? That is an executive function skill. So at the end of the day, I collapse, my chair. That's not the right word, but I'm going to go with it. You know, when you press the button and it's like, whoo, and you write down, <laughs> it's a party for me. So I put my chair down, I shut my computer and all of my like agendas, books, everything that I have out that I like to use. And I push my desk against the wall. That is my after work book. end. it signals to my brain that this part of our day is done. And now we're, we have the ability to switch focus. Some people like to use alarms on their phone. Um, I often recommend this when I'm working with clients or I'm working in problem solving sessions. I like to include alarms. So if a specific time of the day you want to do something, we're going to include an alarm. And for this, I'm for this, I focus a lot on helping parents adjust their mindset around parenting and their parenting goals. Affirmations are very powerful and I've talked about this before. If you can change your thought pattern, you change your behaviors and that's why affirmations are so powerful. It's a type of therapy called CBT. So affirmations, we have a goal of how we want to be at the end of the workday. Okay, set an alarm for 5 p.m. Patient, present parent is what that alarm is called. So now you have created an alert or a signal for your brain to prepare it for that predictability and the flow to swap tasks. You are securing the ability for your brain to switch tasks. Okay, next one, movement. How many of us move every day, even walking? Hey, movement is incredibly helpful. Lindsay talked about this in an example with her kids where she's able to help them move. Why, why does this work? Okay, here we go, alert. When you incorporate regular exercise, you are increasing norepinephrine and dopamine in your brain. And those two chemicals help with executive function and focus and impulsivity. Isn't that interesting? I love this. So if you're able to incorporate movement regularly, you increase your brain's ability to focus and limit impulsivity. And this works in conjunction with medication. If you choose medication, it also is just a healthy skill on your own to know. And a lot of these facts and statistics, let me give you a resource that I love. It is attitudemag.com. That's A-D-D-E-tude mag com. Okay, this is an entire website dedicated to ADD and ADHD for kids, parents, adults that can give you a ton of information if you haven't had it already. Tens and tons of information. I'll let you look that up. But... And they have uh, actually a study cited on their website that talks about how you increase dopamine and norepinephrine in regular exercise. With regular physical exercise, you raise your baseline levels of those two chemicals or hormones because you spur growth in new receptors in your brain area. So basically, you are increasing your overall capacity for dopamine and norepinephrine, which helps with your brain's arousal, in impulsivity and focus. So regular movement. The other thing is sensory. Okay. A lot of us have sensory needs and sensitivities just like our kids do. And that's one of the things movement is really good for. Whether that's clicking pens. Sometimes if I'm talking to someone on the phone and I really want to focus, I'll fold laundry. Or I'll walk around. Insert all pace. Hey, I need some kind of Physicality, usually to help me focus on what's happening. I am almost always listening to a podcast, listening to a television show, background noise of some sort, anything, because it helps me focus on what I'm doing in the moment. And just like Lindsay said, if you've met one person with ADHD, you've met one person with ADHD. While these are great tools and strategies that may or may not work for us, each person is so individual that it's not a cookie cutter approach. So you need to try what works best for you. So, when we're talking sensory, we're talking um, like the way food tastes in your mouth. We're talking about sounds. We're talking about feeling and being overwhelmed. Okay. So, when, as an adult, this is something I want you to hear. As an adult, when you recognize being overwhelmed by sight, sound, touch, taste, there's another one in there sight, sound, touch, taste, and the Other one that I can't remember right now. You and you meet that need. You are reparenting yourself. Okay, one more time. So if you are overwhelmed by the amount of sound happening, you remove yourself from that environment, allow yourself to calm down. You are reparenting yourself, teaching yourself the skills to manage your sensory overload and your overwhelm. I do not like stewed tomatoes. Don't like how they feel in my mouth. Just don't like it. So I stopped eating them finally, like six months ago. (laughs) I am meeting that need. For myself, I am reparenting myself by allowing myself not to eat the things that don't feel good for me that I don't like. On the flip side, I really love carrots in the shape of little balls, like you use a melon baller. I found them in the frozen section once, and I've never been able to forget about them. But I love them. Or I love potatoes chopped into little cubes. I obviously enjoy food, but being able to meet myself where I'm at on those things that feel good, sound good, look good, it's reparenting parenting yourself. It's teaching yourself that it's okay to meet these needs instead of having to mask. So many of us are neurodivergent or ADHD and we are diagnosed later in adulthood. You're still a successful adult you've been able to come up with tools and strategies to mask some of the difficulties and just just keep it pushing, okay? When you allow yourself to acknowledge and accept that you have these specific desires or these specific things overwhelm you and you're no longer going to participate in them, you are honoring that need that you had for a really long time that you basically just ignored because society said it wasn't okay. It is a type of healing. And as you practice becoming aware and accepting those things for yourself, you'll be more aware and accepting those things for your kids. Sometimes I have to come take a cold shower because I'm just so overwhelmed. I'm like, there's too much happening. Ah!" So I go and take a a shower. I start cold and then I go hot. (laughs) It's your preference. But I'm honoring that need in myself. So it's a specific level of understanding and accepting the needs that little you has, and had, and weren't met, and being able to exercise the muscles or skills today to help you manage that instead of ignoring it and pretending it isn't there. Okay, I want to talk a little bit about wraparound support. Real quick, for you and your kid, I just adore the concept of... wraparound support. I think it is so important for parents. I think it is extremely important for kiddos. What does that mean? We're educating the people in our lives. Okay. You have the ability to train your support system. It's called boundaries. (laughs) Boundaries are hard. (laughs) So you have the ability to train your support system. Explain what you need when you need it. Explain how your brain works and why. Here's an example. My husband forgets things. He just told, like, they are, like, wiped, mind-wiped, laser-wiped, men in black, wiped from his brain. So typically, if somebody, I ask somebody to do something and then told they didn't do and they're like, oh, I'm sorry, I just forgot, I'd be like, well, this isn't important to you then. It's not important enough for you to remember, right? Oh, oh, no. <laughs> Baby page trauma response. Okay, that's how I respond. But I know and accept that that is how my husband's brain works. So he has been able to educate me, to train me as his support system, that that is how his brain works. It's not intentional. He, it's not that it's not important, but out of sight, out of mind. And so how can we come up with strategies and structures that help him keep those things in sight, in mind? Is it a note? Is it an alarm? Is it an open dishwasher? So, I mean, this is real in our marriage. If I ask him to do something like a household chore and it doesn't get done, then I feel like I'm not getting the support I need. I feel like I'm carrying the whole load. I feel like he doesn't right. I'm creating these stories for myself when in reality that's how his brain works. It wasn't intentional. It's not that he doesn't care or love me or that he doesn't want to be supportive. He just forgot because that executive function skill is hard. Okay? So we have the ability to educate our support system. Tell them what we need. Tell them what would be most helpful. And then also normalize it. Kind of like Lindsay was saying. We're not telling people you have ADHD to justify anything, right? We're just talking with positive language about how our brain works a little bit differently. Or you don't even have to reference your brain at all. You just share that, like, actually, this works best for me. So if you would like X, Y, Z, then will you please A, (laughs) B, C? So for my husband, I would like him to unload the dishwasher every morning before he leaves for work. So I open I open the door of the dishwasher and pull, up, pull out the racks so he can see it. Wonderful. Okay. You also apply these things to yourself to set yourself up for success. If you know something, like you know that you lose your keys, what system or structure are you going to put in place to help you? My daughter would forget everything. All of her winter stuff, we'd be driving into her all day. So what system or structure did we put into her flow that would help her? Those visual cue cards, right? Those visual cue cards. So you have the ability to educate your support system on what would be most helpful for you and also to set yourself up for success by being aware. So you're becoming aware of your needs. You're honoring them. Okay, that's the reparenting part. And now you're creating system structures and flows to help you be successful without ignoring them. There's nothing wrong with you. You're awesome. Lizzie talked about ADHD being a superpower. And I 100% believe that. There is a superpower in it, and it's going to be different for all of our heroes, all of our little heroes or villains. Woo! Just call me Ursula. Um, living my Disney dreams. So I'm a child at heart. Okay, anyways. So, superpowers. Same thing, when I really like something, I really like it. But if I don't want to do something, it is very hard to focus to do something, okay? Um, I want to talk about bribes real quick. When do bribes work? When are they successful? Lindsay talked about this a little bit with rewards, okay? I love rewards. I love them. When I was um, studying for my graduate degree, if I really needed to get something done, not only would I wait till last minute so that way I would get the adrenaline, adrenaline rush of completing it and turning it in at 11:59 p.m., but I would also buy myself a jar of peanut M&M's. <laughs> and every 30 minutes or an hour, I'd eat a peanut M&M. Like yes, I did this paper. I wrote this page. Whatever. I get a peanut M&M. Love it. So when you are working with your kiddos, I want you to use rewards to help adjust behavior. Okay. Sometimes the reward itself, when our kids are older, like, uh, getting to go to the movies or spending time with friends, like that reward is super helpful for my younger kiddos. They might need to be incentivized a little bit more. So we talked about like a Tootsie Roll or a lollipop, or if you're not into candy, it could be anything, something to, uh, just light up those brain centers of like, yes, I like this. I'll keep doing it. Right. So What I want you to do is I don't want you to reward based on the completion of an activity necessarily, but the effort. I want to praise the effort of us trying as hard as we can to do the thing. And then we adapt, like Lindsay talked about in the last episode, we adapt the strategy and the flow and hope for more success. And then we reward that effort because we see it. So we're not doing it in a row. It's not after... After five days of doing this consistently, here's your reward. Because we work really hard day one, we're super motivated because we want the reward. Really hard day two, we get to day four, and then something happens. Day five, we didn't do it. So now we don't get the reward. And now it's not going to work as well (laughs) because that just dashed all of our hopes and dreams. So I actually will probably do an entire episode on rewards and uh, using them as a parenting tool and how to use them successfully. I don't want us to reward on like successful completion of an activity necessarily, but I want us to reward on the efforts. So focus on the efforts of what's happening and then adjust your flow and structure for success and reward based on that effort. We're not criticizing. hey okay. So in honor of ADHD and being neurodivergent, a superpower. I wanted to just do something fun and provide a list of celebrities who actually have been diagnosed and or medicated with ADHD and just kind of show you that there is immense power of tapping into neurodivergence and how you can continue to lead very successful lives and careers And achieve so much while also honoring, accepting, and normalizing your experience. So with that, here are nine celebrities who were diagnosed with ADHD. Number one, Michael Phelps. Number two, Karina Smirnoff, who was actually a Dancing with the Stars performer and a professional dancer. What's interesting is some of these people are so, so Karina Smirnoff talks about how her schedule is very busy and her day is filled with 10-hour dance rehearsals for all these different things. And she's able to focus on completing these things in these really large days because of her ADHD. Number three, Howie Mandel, game show host and stand-up comedian. Four. Ty Pennington, the home improvement guru. Number five, Adam Levine. You know how Lindsay is with Post Malone. That's probably me with Adam Levine. Adam Levine. He talks about how he had trouble writing songs and recording in the studio and he'd had 30 ideas in his head all at once. And once he was able to identify, acknowledge and create structures and flows around his ADHD, he became an incredible musician. Number six, Justin Timberlake. Seven, Paris Hilton. Eight, Simone Biles. And nine, something Knowles. Can't pronounce it. Sorry, guys. But these are just a few examples of the incredible things you can accomplish, even as a neurodivergent individual, when you understand, accept, and meet the needs of where you're at. You can create structures and flows for yourself. And as you honor that in yourself, reparent you yourself, you can honor that for your kids to also help them reach their capacity. And something that came up while I was reading the celebrities that um, I wanted to just ask you guys, and this is just for some self reflection. <laughs> some of these people on this list of celebrities are incredible athletes, incredible musicians, individuals that are neurodivergent are incredibly creative. And so, what what where are your interests what do you like what are your kids like and how can you support that interest to help them develop that to help yourself develop that and honor that because what could we be capable of if we did accept and honor that and create structures and systems around that okay guys so this is the episode on additional tools for supporting you and your ADHD child. And if you have any questions, feel free to email us at mindfulasamotherpod at gmail.com. Catch us on Instagram or TikTok. And while I'm on TikTok, Lindsay and I have been doing a weekly live Q&A on TikTok to answer any parenting questions or any questions related to um, child therapy, essentially. But last week, I couldn't go live with Lindsay because I don't have a 1,000 followers on TikTok. So this is my call to y'all. Please, if you frequent the app, go to TikTok at Parenting with Page and follow me so next time I can go live with Lindsay to answer all of your Q&A. If you haven't yet, you can also catch us on our Facebook group, Embracing Mindful Motherhood and Positive Parenting, to ask us your individual questions. That's where we host probably the largest part of our community, get most of our free content, and we answer individualized questions. Today was the 1st of August, so we always send out a Starbucks gift card for the group to use to caffeinate and take over the month and plan to be their best selves. So if you haven't yet, look us up on Facebook. The group is Embracing Mindful Motherhood and Positive Parenting. All right. Catch you guys next week. Thanks for coming to Mindful as a Mother podcast. If you'd like more of us and Mindful as a Mother, you can find Paige at Instagram at Parenting with Paige and Lindsay at lins underscore Adams LCSW. Find us on TikTok, Instagram, and in our Facebook group, Creating Community and Smashing Parental Stigma, Embracing Mindful Motherhood and Positive Parenting. Thanks so much and see you next time.